Welcome to the news <laughs> and why it matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez, joined by uh, Glenn Beck Stubergear and Mr. Andrew Heaton. Hello. Mm. The, the one of the most interesting men I think I've ever met Thank in you. my life. I'm, I'm trying to get that Dos Equis commercial. That's my, <laughs> my goal is to be the third guy. Yes. Notice how we got some uh, second billing there. I'm going back super gear. And Andrew Heaton. <laughs> you guys are regulars. Yeah. I mean, we're just like. Oh, so okay, it's Norman Cliff to you. Yeah. Is that what it is? Pretty much. Pretty yeah. much. All right. Glenn, what's your top story? Uh, top Hold story. On. In this equation, I'm Kelsey Grammer. I just want to continue, please. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> are you Shelley Long or Kirstie Alley? I'd like to be Kirstie Alley, I think. Really? Because she ended up fat. She did. She did. But she didn't take uh, Ridizone. Oh, okay. okay. All right. Good. Okay. So my top story today has got to be the celebration that uh, we're all having over Bernie Sanders, <laughs> who I believe is Scuttle uh, from <laughs> Little Mermaid, uh, running for president of the United States yet again. All right, Stu? I want to be on the Bernie Sanders uh, train as well and talk about the meaning of the word independent. Okay, are you on the Bernie Sanders train as well? I am so deeply susceptible to peer pressure that when I saw the rundown, I was like, I'm going to talk about Bernie Sanders too. But in my case, I have a silver lining for <laughs> what I think is good about Bernie Sanders. You have a silver lining for literally I, everything. Yeah, I have to. That's the only way to get <laughs> up. Laugh so you don't cry, yeah. I feel, these days. It's like I'm, I'm skating on an infinite abyss. There's just this much ice. <laughs> Uh, got a lot to get into, obviously, but before we do that, want to thank our sponsor, Ridiazone. Ah. As I was saying, uh, Kirstie Alley. Long she, and not Kirstie Alley. Well, mm -hmm. yeah, but I mean, Kirstie Alley in Kirstie her prime. Alley. Kirstie Alley at least did hot. something with it. She still made it work for her. She you did. Know? She, she did. did. She made it work for her. Where, where's Shelley Long? Nowhere. That's true. She's alone lost. at home with a cat in slippers. Okay, we don't need to get the cat just, thing. There's, no, there's nothing wrong with that. Always cats there in those always situations, cats. always. There's nothing wrong Washed with that. Washed up star crying in her whiskey at 9 o'clock so, in the morning. So Ridiazone uh, has nothing to do with Kirstie Alley or right. Shelley Long, but right. what it can do is help you lose weight. If you are kind of struggling with that, you've got like an extra... 20 pounds that you just don't think that you can get off everything you try. You starve yourself. You eat lettuce. You drink celery juice or something. I don't know. Uh, kale? I heard of that. I do love kale. <laughs> but apparently like most people fancy don't. Fancy spinach? Not a fan. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but, so if you're looking to maintain or lose the extra pounds, you just can't seem to get there, I suggest trying Ridiazone. I use it uh, religiously. It works for me like a charm. So it's the good stuff in olive oil that helps boost your metabolism, help you feel full, reduce your appetite, and see if it works for you. Go to Ridiazone.com. Use promo code TheBlaze right now and get 30% off of a three-month supply. $1.39 a day. You can't beat that. Let Ridiazone help you with your weight loss. Ridiazone.com. My, uh, my uh, brother, and I've never told the story, on the, uh, he was overweight. Uh, he started the meth diet. Mm. Oh. He lost over a pound what of... What kind of method was it? Uh, no meth, just... <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, he lost over a pound of teeth. Mm. Which, huh. That's then, great. So if you're looking to, to lose teeth, try meth. If okay. you're looking to use pounds, right. try Ridiazone. Shot, yeah. Shots fired at Shelley Long and his <laughs> yeah. brother. Right out the gate. Left hook, right hook. All right. Uh, so let me talk about Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders, what a great guy. Uh, at least he's an admitted socialist crazy. Uh, uh, I mean, he looks like, I want to just say, do we have a picture of Bernie Sanders anywhere? Can we, can we get a picture? Excuse my hair today. I've been wearing a hat all day. Uh, okay, so we'll see. Now, now. <laughs> the soup is too hot. The soup is too hot. Take a side-by-side -side of that and Andrew Heaton. <laughs> that is what you're going to look like, Andrew. Oh, uh, okay. Are you telling me I should buy a comb? Is it, is I'm just saying, there you go. Look it. Now do that with your mouth. Look like you have... 
That's <laughs> what you're going to look I like. I believe the most important thing is that we sell couches to the middle class. <laughs> and that will be paid for by liquidide, uh, liquidizing rich people, which is what I, pro I propose to do. We will, we will liquidate them. <laughs> we will physically liquidate them. You'll turn them into liquid? We will turn them into soylent green. <laughs> We will feed them to the poor people, and then there will be more money because money comes from the heavens. Rich people have bigger nets. They're evil. You need to give it back. So you believe in God then? Yeah, yes. <laughs> I guess so. He does. Yeah. All right. So uh, his proposals are almost as crazy <laughs> as the buying couches for people. Um, if you want to look at, his, um, look at his thing, first of all, Medicare for all. We know how well that's going to work. Green New Deal. $15 minimum wage. Criminal justice reform. We just passed one, but he says we got to go again. Free college for everybody. Mm -hmm. I love this. Break up the biggest banks. <laughs> I, now, I agree with the banks should not be as big as they are, but how are you going to do, do that? <laughs> Gender pay equity. Mm, I can't wait for that paid one. Paid leave. Lower drug prices, my favorite. Mm -hmm. Progressives are always on the lowering of American drug prices because they're gouging us. Oh, because we're the wealthiest 1% in the world? They're gouging us? Right. Mm. So the poor and the rest of the world could have just a little bit of what the wealthiest 1%, even our homeless, are the wealthiest 1% in the entire world. So this is just a progressive idea that they're using, but they don't seem to like it when it happens to them. Uh, expand Social Security. Save the unions. I mean, who is... Mm. Who in the country besides the union leaders are like, oh, if I just had a presidential candidate that would promise he would save the unions? Uh, and, of course, the DREAM Act. Now, that's only page one. He's got a whole nother page uh, that goes along with it. But just that alone, I bet you that's over... $30 million yeah. in terms of federal spending. Well, I don't know if you should so. go that crazy. It, well, I also think it does show us how um, the progressives and how the Democrat Party has just how radical they've gotten in such a, such a short amount of time. Because he's been proposing Medicare oh, yeah. for All for a long time. Mm -hmm. And nobody wanted it. No, and nobody now it's nobody like would sit at his table at lunch. Right. Every day he was by himself eating right. Right. soup or whatever That's quietly. Everyone's platform now. And, and it, was, it was an insult just a few years ago. If, if mm -hmm. you were like, are you in favor of $15 minimum wage? They were like, absolutely not. Now, that is economic illiteracy, and how dare you paint me with that brush? And boom, now yeah. everybody's $15 an hour so, minimum Or wage. more. Yeah. yeah, or more. Well, you know, what's crazy, I know, I know you guys were busy preparing for the show, so you may not have seen it. Did you see the show I just did? No. Okay. You need to. Okay. I, just did, I just did a half hour on the New Green Deal, and I think it was misdirection. I think what they did, usually, we were talking about this. Is this Overton window? Are, are they moving it so far to the left that Sweden begins to look like a paradise to us. We're like, okay, we'll be like Sweden. Okay, That's what I honestly thought might be the case until I read the actual bill that is now going into committee. When you read that, it's misdirection. The get rid of the airplanes and all that stuff, that's no big deal compared to what they're talking about in the actual bill. That is just a, a write-up, a summary of things, what we'd like to accomplish. But the bill is now going into committee and it says the United States government, uh, uh, under the direction of this committee, will fundamentally transform the American economy not only to green, 
but also to yeah. economic, uh, 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 environmental, yeah. and uh, justice, economic, uh, social justice. Yeah. Which and I'm I'm I am of the persuasion. Uh, Climate change is happening. We're contributing to it. There's even a role for government in it. And I've spent a substantial amount of time over the last few years going, no, this isn't a hoax. It's not <laughs> an excuse to take over the government. That's a conspiracy theory. Yep. It uh, is. We're like, they were, they're like, actually, this is a great opportunity to make America socialist. <laughs> like, no, no, please. You're making my job way more difficult. Have you read the, have you read oh, yeah. the bill? You're, you're talking about the, the, the resolution? The actual that, resolution. By Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? Yeah. yeah, I read through that. and I read No, through no, the, no, not the one by Cortez. Oh, no, I've only read the Cortez bill. Okay, the, no. The, the, so the, the resolution. I think that is the same bill. So there was a bill and... which Not the, not the not talking the, points. Not right. the, 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 the FAQ and there's the bill, yeah. The bill. The bill is super clear. It is 100% government control with uh, deference to the unions in yeah. their leadership. A lot of stuff about like far family farming and organic farming and yeah. a lot about Native American restitution. But it, yes, but it is all about really truly 100% control of the economic engine in all categories. It, it is the end of the Republic and the Constitution if that would pass. You, you would be over as America, and they're serious about it. And I, I had this theory that I presented on, on TV today that Ocasio-Cortez is just a little clown. The real thing is not the cow farts, which they let her put this out, and everybody mocked her. Somebody behind the scenes who is like, this is our chance for real socialism. We're going to change this. We're going to cut the strings of, of the free market. We're going to cut it. Let her go out there. Let her do that. She entertained us, and she was fodder for the picking. And back here, they're putting the real stuff in the bill that actually means something. And I don't think, it, I don't think they care about it. Global warming. Yeah, because I really it, don't. It, it should be called the Great Leap Forward something something solar power. Five year plan. <laughs> like, like you can tell they're like also wind, but yeah. mostly we yeah. run the economy. Uh, yes. Um, you know, I mean, the, the FAQ was kind of written like it was a fifteen year old dunce. That was that. that was, like, an, in, like, an intern did that yeah. on his or her lunch break for yeah. sure. Right. That was that was, mean, Bill also did was not. reviewed and posted, published yeah. on their website. Oh, yeah. and they, I know. It. they were like, oh, right. it wasn't meant for public consumption. But that says point. to me, that's the misdirection. Yeah. Mm. Because if you read, you read that, that is a, that's a high school group coming together. <laughs> this is not. Yeah. This is serious. I mean, I'm going to say it. It's communism. Mm -hmm. It is truly communism. It is state-controlled economy and, and grand master planning. Uh, yeah, I mean, it really is, uh, it's, it went really far, really fast, um, and in, in a lot of it, I mean, I like your description of it, uh, something, something, solar panels, mm -hmm. because it's really what it is. It's kind of the green thing, and they said this in the, in the FAQ as well. This is, the, this is FDR's New Deal plus green. It's not just green New Deal, it's the FDR New New Deal plus green, which covers all of that, and, and we know costs at a minimum $32 trillion plus a lot more. Um, I, what I find interesting about the Sanders part of this is, you know, Sanders... Uh, do we have the clip of Sanders bashing Howard Schultz? Yes. Uh, let, let's let's mm. watch that for a second, because I think it's something incredibly telling about today's Democratic Party. Howard Schultz has now said he would not run as an independent if the Democrats moderate, uh, nominate oh, a moderate. Oh, isn't that nice? Why is Howard Schultz on every television station in this country? Why are you quoting Howard Schultz? Because he's a billionaire. All right. There are a lot of people I know personally who work hard for a living, who make forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 a year, who know a lot more about politics than in all due respect does Mr. Schultz. 
<laughs> but because we have a corrupt political Please, system, anybody who is a billionaire who can throw a lot of TV ads on television suddenly becomes very, very credible. So what Mr. Schultz, what is he, blackmailing the Democratic Party? If you don't nominate Bernie Sanders, he's not going to run? Well, I don't think we should succumb to that kind of blackmail. This guy's insane. Uh, yeah. he, he is. He is insane. I, I, I don't think Howard Schultz has spent many money on any ads, by the way. No, but, to, but, but, he's saying, but, but, I, but he is saying that he's a billionaire, but that's not why. It's not the cash. No, no. It's the fact that he built a gigantic yes. company and he's a smart businessman. What I find interesting there, though, is, first of all, Bernie Sanders is bashing Howard Schultz for being an independent, which Bernie Sanders is, right? right like, right. Bernie Sanders is out of the Democratic Party. But it gives you a great picture of what the Democratic Party is and what it's become. Bernie Sanders has always been an independent, largely because he's too far left for the Democrats. He's an admitted socialist, and that used to be something really bad, to the point of, like, he wanted to take a stand and say, I'm not with the Democrats. He, after he lost the election last time, he went right back from a Democrat back to an independent. He's always been, he's a 77-year-old man, he's lived through a long stretch of the Democratic Party, and he's always been too far left for the Democrats, mm-hmm. so he runs as an independent. Now, he's smack dab in the middle of what the Democrats are. He fits perfectly with the Democrats. But a lifelong Democrat who has just a tad bit of love for capitalism, Howard Schultz, now he's the one who doesn't fit, and now he has to run as an independent. Think of how how crazy that is. Howard Schultz is liberal on every single issue, with the exception of, I shouldn't be able to steal all of your stuff. Like, that's about it. And he can't even fit in the party. He's an independent. Now the party has gone from here where Schultz was in the middle of the party. I mean, Schultz is essentially an Obama Democrat, yeah. right? Yeah. And now this, it's, it's shifted so far that the Obama Democrats don't even fit in the party. And I don't even think Bernie Sanders is on the left side of the Democratic Party anymore. He's kind of in the middle. I, 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 was ta- I agree with you. Um, I was talking to the uh, economic research people before we went on the, on the show. And uh, I said... I didn't think it was it was possible for me to look at Obama and say, "Ah, oh, the good old days." Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Obama is is not as radical. He's, now, I believe Obama really was this radical. Yeah. He just hit it. Uh, but on the uh, if you take him at what he said and what he did, um, he's nothing like the New Democrats. Which, which is an interesting thing for me. When, when I go back to New York and I'm visiting my, my friends up there, most of whom are progressive Democrats, like with, without any uh, hyperbole, I can go, look, I'm on team capitalism along with uh, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton. Like Now, their actual <laughs> intentions, I don't know, but there are op-eds that they're writing in The Economist and things like that. Like uh, Barack Obama actually did write a really good op-ed about you know the, the, the market economy is the driver of prosperity in America and the world and all this. And I'm like, yep. Like, yeah, we're team capitalism over here with your idol. Uh, and then, like, the new encroaching left that's actually bringing back socialism. It's, it's and what do your friends say up there? Um, I think that there's just kind of a swash of cognitive dissonance when I bring that up because I'm not supposed to be on Barack Obama's team. It doesn't make any sense. And if you're, if you're trying to cut that division, which I think is the new dividing line, incidentally, because I think we are going to look at Barack Obama as a centrist candidate. And I don't say that with any, yeah. any great love. Uh, but I think we will look at him that way, and and right now we're we're starting to see this kind of remolding of boundaries of like, are you pro market or anti market? I think you described too the 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 potential difficulty for Joe Biden winning this nomination. I mean, if he decides to run, he's going to be seen probably as Obama or a little right of Obama. Yeah. Well, listen to what Hillary that... Clinton said. Remember, yeah. she said she lost it. A lot of it had to do with she came out for capitalism. Mm-hmm. 
And again, like I never felt that that was heartfelt by any of them, but no. they did occasionally pay lip service to it. That's dead. I mean, this bill kills any lip service you can pay to capitalism. I don't see how you this can lip, defend this the market is, at all. I don't know how we don't, honestly, and I mean this sincerely, I don't know how you don't impeach everyone who would vote for a bill like that. That is, you're breaking your oath. You're breaking your oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. This takes the government and puts it in charge of everything. Our Constitution tells the government, you're not in charge of anything except for this, this, and this. And you're not in charge of anything else. You destroy it. Uh, all right, now that we've gotten all the doom and gloom out of the way, we're going to, when we come back, get to Andrew's silver lining of Bernie Sanders running. Back in a minute. Before we get back into the conversation, we want to thank our sponsor, Relief Factor. Um, I know that Glenn has had great success taking Relief Factor. I have as well. Um, but it's for people who just live every day in pain. Well, that's that's a, that 67% of people have pain on a daily basis and do nothing about it. And, huge. and a third of the country has been living in pain since high school. Mm. They have a high school energy, uh, injury. 30% mm -hmm. of this, this country. Um, and they just live with it the rest of their lives. You don't, you don't have to, um, and you don't have to get all doped up. And, you, you know, th this is something that works. You don't know you're even taking it. It's, it's just, it's good for you. All it does is reduce the inflammation in your body. It works for about 70% of the people. They say straight up, it's not going to work for 30%. Um, and that's why they give you a, a special break on the three weeks instead of four weeks, because they know in three weeks your body is going to tell you, this works, this doesn't work. So at the end of three weeks, after you spent 20 bucks, you try it for three weeks. If it works, order more. And I've been taking it for a year now, and it makes a huge difference. If it doesn't, you're out 20 bucks. But the chance is good that you're going to be out of pain and you get your life back. Yeah. Go to relieffactor.com, or you can call 800-500-8384 and get that quick start pack. All right, Andrew. Give us the silver lining. There is silver lining. Puppies, so rainbows. We, we were actually over, over the break. We were talking about how um, I, I'm perennially, perennially frustrated that socialism is one back. I kind of like I'm, I'm not from McCarthyism, but I, if we were going to pick something, uh, <laughs> that's probably what we should have gone after. Uh, I, it bothers me that socialism is back and full blown. It bothers me that so many people don't know what socialism means. Socialism means the government owns the means of production. That's it. It doesn't mean sharing. Um, that said, though, as much as I am rankled by Bernie Sanders for bringing those terms back and making them popular, there is something that I like about him that I think is healthier than what's happening in the Democratic Party. So to illustrate this, I'm going to show a flashpoint that was, I think, pivotal in the last election. Uh, we'll, we'll show this and you'll get an idea of where I'm going, maybe. Thank you, Seattle, for being one of the mm -hmm. most progressive cities in the United States of America. Okay, 
David. So as much as I, just, I find that clip hilarious and I wanted to do it, uh, I wanted to, to bring it up for a reason. And that is that there's two kind of predominant worldviews, I think, within the Democratic Party, or at least two, two of multiple worldviews within the Democratic Party. There's the older view that was dominant in the 60s when Bernie Sanders, for example, was getting kicked out of a commune because he wanted to talk about socialism more than actually do it, um, that, that predominated, which was we live in a class-based world, right? The other view, which is far more common right now, is we live in a race-based world. And that's one of the reasons that Bernie Sanders didn't do as well in a lot of categories. He did, he did poorly with, uh, with minority, uh, minority voters uh, because from his perspective, the problem is rich people and this is all class-based as opposed to the identity politics and the intersectionality that are more and more gripping the Democratic Party. So I look at that. I, I would honestly rather have the conversation about class than I would about um, constant race because I think it's a terrible idea to constantly tell people to stay in their demographic box and think of themselves as a demographic representative rather than as an individual or an ideologue. And so Sanders is at least not a part of that. I think that's part of the reason he didn't take it last time. Uh, and I, I like that he's at least keeping it off of something other than um, race, race identity politics. That is an Indiana Jones archaeology exp like expedition to find a good point, uh, to find a positive out of Bernie Sanders. That was amazing. <laughs> you were about really to get hit by the giant rock. Right <laughs> <behind> you. <laughs> so your, your point is that he, it's positive because he's not doing the race thing, he's doing the class warfare thing. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, that's really... That's <laughs> like, really that's like, it's, it's the scene, you're covered in spider webs and it's like... Hello, doctor. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Jones. I'll, I'll put, I am I'm more worried as much as I, I, I think the one thing I've been incredibly consistent out of this program is I'm not a fan of socialism. I am a, an unabashed, yeah. uh, unapologetic, unreconstituted capitalist. So I do not welcome the, the forthcoming class war. Uh, however, I am more worried about identity politics than I am about class warfare because I, I think identity politics really does tap something tribal and it it can and might very well lead us in a very fracturous and, uh, and problematic area. So but, I, but class warfare, I mean, kind of goes hand in hand with identity politics, right? I, I mean, yeah, that, it, that is a form of identity politics. And I, politics. I, think, I think the, the deeper view that both of them are coming out of is a, a world in which there are oppressors and victims. And that is something that permeates both Bernie Sanders and sort of the old pinko left, the socialist left, versus the new intersectional left. Um, so I think you're right about that. But but all the same, though, I at least with um, the, the class-based stuff, it's not just you're important because of the demographic that you're a representative of. And also think of yourself that way. Also, you're a white male. Think of yourself as a white male. Think of yourself as a white male, mm -hmm. which I, I think is also I don't, a very bad idea to start creating groups of people based on, on race and politics. It's I don't want that at all. The balkanization of America. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Back in a minute. Uh, you know, talking about the how radical the Democrats have become and, you know, the upcoming presidential race. Can you give us a rundown of what we're looking at here? Yeah, one of the things we're working on for the election coverage is a uh, model of the Democratic primary. So you can kind of get a, a power ranking of who's doing well and who's not as we go. It, um, the, we're still building it out and kind of fine tuning. Right now, there's about 26 categories that we measure uh, to kind of give uh, encapsulate a final score. Uh, and it kind of gives you a score of where they are. If you kind of look at the list here, uh, we have Kamala Harris in first place right now. These are only announced candidates. Sanders is in second, very close, though. And then you see it kind of drop off to the next tier of Booker, Klobuchar, Warren, and maybe Castro. 
next year, you know, Gillibrand, Gabbert, and Buttigieg, and then you kind of have the, the, the ones that nobody knows, Marianne where, Williamson, Andrew Yang, and John Delaney at 17. So. Where would uh, Schultz be if he was on this list? Uh, I have not attempted that. Um, I, can, I can do it, although if you're saying that if he ran in the Democratic primary. Or if he, the, if he ran, where, would he be competitive at so, all? So the way the model, it's very tailored towards a Democratic audience. So, like, for example, you know, D- Donald Trump has obviously a pretty good chance of winning this election. He's going to be one of the major party candidates, but if you put him in there, he'd be like be behind all of these candidates because he does not fit the Democratic primary audience. So mm-hmm. I would be interested. Probably Schultz would, I would say, probably middle of the pack, lower middle of the pack, if I had to guess where he would land on there because he has a lot of resources, but he doesn't. he's not going to be connected to the ideological positions as much as some of the others. All right. Well, thank you for terrifying us with that lovely chart. You get scared by everything. It's not my fault. No, no, we got something terrifying coming up. What? Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze TV subscribers. Not a subscriber? Start your free trial at blazetv.com. Welcome back. You may notice Glenn has uh, changed thinned out a little bit. Ridge zone. Yeah. A little bit. It, it really does work mm-hmm. really, really quickly. <laughs> uh, we are joined by Justin Wheeler, and he is the lead economic researcher of the Glenn Beck program. Thank you for being here, Justin. Uh, great to be here. And, and since you missed the part of the show where we get to talk about our top stories, I wanted to make sure that you had an opportunity to um, dive into what you wanted to talk about today. Sure. So I know uh, the other day on this program, um, we talked about the carpocalypse. Yes. Seven million Americans behind uh, on their car payments, 90 days or more. Glenn wanted me to stop in today and share a couple of other good pieces of news. Uh, the student loan uh, crisis has also kicked up again. Eight million students are more than 90 days delinquent on their student loans. Um, and another 1.2 million are expected to go delinquent this year. So that makes up 25% of all student loans will be in default mm. by the end of this year. Which makes uh, the free college that Bernie Sanders is talking about so enticing to all of these people. Right. I mean, that will be the pitch for it, right? I mean, I do, didn't we just do a massive overhaul, like, not too long ago of the student loan system under o- Obama? O- Obama switched yeah. from, like, yeah. it had been public and it went private or went private to public. I don't remember. Exactly. Right. Private, private to it was public. a second one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Private to yeah, public. Yeah, yeah. And there was a very good reason for that. At the time, Obama was trying to get Obamacare passed, but there was a $64 billion a year shortfall in the funding for Obamacare. Mm-hmm. So we had a very bright plan, which was simply take over all student loans and the interest the government would make on issuing student loans would cover the $64 billion yeah. shortfall. But they never planned for more than 8% of student loans to go into default. They, so they, they did not consider the sheer amount of liberal <laughs> arts majors that compose <laughs> the student loan category. Yeah, mm, a mistake there. Yeah. So yeah. Only, only take the engineering ones. Yeah. <laughs> what other uh, good news do you have for us? Which, by the way, I, know, I mean, Glenn loves good news. Well, he is sitting in for Glenn, so I mean, yes. he should be just trying to scare the, the same, hell out. I think it's something about this seat. I think it's <laughs> actually this, this chair. What, um, yeah, what, else, what else do you got for us? Uh, the world is ending. Farms? Yes, you know farms that. are uh, filing bankruptcy, uh, local farmers, at a rate higher than in the farm crisis of the 1980s and 75% higher than at the height of the Great Recession. Mm. So, uh, also good news. We just yeah. passed that farm bill. Shouldn't right. that and, have and, fixed everything? And we did. It act, the farm bill actually made it easier for farmers to file for bankruptcy protection. Nice. So Thanks, guys. It was a, good job, Congress. They, they put that in right at the end. Oh, yeah. and file bankruptcy because this farm bill is not going to work. So you can file bankruptcy now. And that's tied to not only the tariffs. I I mean, I think it because of this, like, it's one of those, it's a long-term problem, right? But the short-term pain of it, a lot of it comes from uh, the tariffs. Tariffs, Uh, It's much harder to to export goods. 
um, where obviously we have other countries in a trade war and, and having to pay these extra tariffs. And remember, they eventually the initial idea here, it was known this was going to kill farmers. Trump passed it knowing it would kill farmers because he, at the end he was like, by the way, we're also going to bail out all the farmers who are going <laughs> to get in trouble here. That doesn't last forever, though. And so that's really starting to, to hurt uh, there. But there's more to it than just the tariffs. You talked about this a little bit earlier. Yeah, we had talked about it on the, sh- on the radio show. Um, this is a long-term cyclical thing that was going on. Over the last 20 years, um, the U.S. and Western powers have raised over 2 billion people around the world out of poverty. And it's a great stat, and we're, we're very excited about it. Capitalism works, Yeah, uh, Andrew. It's a very good anti-poverty campaign. Yeah, it the best is. That's one we've come up with so far. I mean, uh, capitalism works other than the fact that it's purely evil. Of course. Of course. I mean, let's not. Let's not. It's only $2 billion. Where are the other billions? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we still well, have to do anything you. about them. Thank you. It clearly Finally. didn't work. Only $2 billion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but a lot of the way we did that was by teaching those people how to grow food. So what we did is we actually created 500 million farmers globally, which enabled them to get out of poverty. But, of course, that means they no longer need to import food from the United States. And they have become net exporters as of last year of uh, farm products, including pork, including soybeans, including corn. So we created a, a competitive environment, which is great. It, this is going to force our farmers to find new markets, um, get better at what they do, get more efficient. I think that's an exciting uh, prospect. But, of course, there is a, a, you know, a near-term impact to how farmers need to operate. Um, and I heard uh, uh, some of your, the radio program this morning whenever you were uh, talking with Glenn. And what was it, that the numbers that you cited about the global, what was it, global deficit, was it? Okay. So this gets insane. <clears throat> yeah. So we talked about um, unfunded mandates, and, and you know, Stu thought it was $100 trillion. It turns out it's really $127 trillion of government. Wait, you said 122. Has it gone up by $5 trillion already, already since the last one? Wow. <laughs> so, um, but if, it, it's really interesting to look at. We're so talking about this, this is global? This no, is that, no, that was US. just U.S. government just US. unfunded mandates uh, as reported by the government accounting office. Okay. Um, but if you look at the global picture and you really take into account everything that is truly unfunded, that is a government, uh, uh, you know, effectively backed by the government, a government somewhere. And if you roll in pensions and the pension shortfall, because, of course, the government does back pensions through the pension guarantee program. So if you consider that an unfunded mandate of the government and you roll in not the US, just the U.S. government, but global governments and all of their guarantees and unfunded mandates, um, we get into a whole new tier. We're no longer talking about trillions. We're talking about quadrillions. So it is $1.2 quadrillion that is unfunded globally that is backed by some government promise or guarantee. That's amazing. Yes. I've, terrifying. I've, I've read before that at least like on a national level that there's kind of a, a ratio of debt or deficit to GDP that's unsustainable long term. Do we have any idea of what that looks like on a global level? Is there any way of going? Because that sounds like a whole lot of money to me, but there's also a bunch of countries. So I don't really know. I don't, I don't know if that's OK or like, should I go? Can I still buy green bananas or should I go buy bullets? What should I be buying right now? Yeah, Like what is the global GDP? Uh, about 70 trillion dollars. <clears throat> okay. um, and certainly the, the unfunded mandate to, to Actual GDP is, you know, Wait, dramatically. Oh, it's seventy trillion, and our unfunded mandate is one hundred and twenty-seven. So our yeah. unfunded stuff's more than the global more economy. The global. Yes, yeah. yes. I mean that goes out for many years. So the the global economy is one year measure, right? Right. Okay. So, I mean, okay. But still, yeah, yeah, yeah. it is a massive okay. problem. You are correct to react as uh, as if the sky is falling. Yeah. Okay. Yes. We all we all should be Glenn sometimes. <laughs> um, but it's interesting to think about uh, a debt to GDP ratio, and there's this really interesting phenomenon. We think in terms of U.S. terms, you know, our U.S. economy. 
And we could tomorrow go sell another $2 trillion of debt into the open market if we wanted to. We, we, it would hurt our bond uh, yield and, and prices. Um, but we could do it because there's an appetite for our debt. Like, we are really good at paying off our debt. We've never defaulted, uh, formally speaking, on our debt. But that's actually not true for other countries. So you look at a country like, say, um, Zimbabwe, and their debt-to-GDP ratio looks really good. They have very little debt. But it's not because they don't want it. It's because no one will buy their debt. Mm. They can't sell it on the open market. And it's even true of countries like Norway. Norway's, you know, 52% debt to GDP. It's much healthier than ours. We're close to 100%. But no one will buy Norway's debt. Mm. They don't want access to that debt. The yield is terrible. And no one looks at the long-term prospects of Norway and say, you have great industries. And yes, we want access to that. And you have a really high ability to tax your citizens more to pay off this debt. They can't tax us anymore. The tax rates are already too high. So the measure of of debt to GDP as a mechanism to look at how healthy an economy is is a little bit illusory. In Western modern economies like the United States with a lot of industry, it's a very effective measure. But globally looking at other countries, it isn't because no one wants that debt. They can't raise more debt. Debt means someone's loaning you money and they don't have that capacity to do it. So how concerned uh, should we be at this point with, with the, the U.S. economy? As we ended on uh, Glenn's radio show today, and, and Stu helped me with this, um, we should actually feel really good about the U.S. economy. When someone asks that question, how should we feel about the economy, my question is over what period? Mm-hmm. So maybe over the next three to five years we have another 2008-2009 uh, financial crisis, and, and it's really bad. We have another great recession. But we came out of that okay, and we didn't have starving people in the streets. We had a Great Depression and, you know, from 1929, lasting all the way into the 40s. And yes, things got really hard, and we had 30% unemployment. But we're America. We came out of it okay. Yeah. We have you know, basically limit, limitless natural resources. We have limitless energy supplies now, thanks to fracking and, and uh, natural gas um, and nuclear technology, if we ever decided to tap into that, uh, get over the political correctness of it. Um, and we have the spirit of the American people that yeah. just when things get tough, they just pull together and do it. Um, so I think our, our long-term prospects are fantastic. I'm very bullish on the American economy and, and America as a nation in terms of where it will sit in the geopolitical structure. Now, are there going to be very difficult periods uh, in front of us? I think absolutely. Uh, we never really recovered from the financial crisis. We just papered it over with a lot of debt. That debt does have to get repaid or it has to be defaulted on. And the people relying on that debt for incomes... Uh, in terms of bonds, would get hurt. So I definitely think there is going to be a moment we have to pay the piper. Um, but does that mean I think America will, will crash and burn? And I know I'm in Glenn's seat. No, yeah, I, know. I, I was going to say you're doing a terrible job of being Glenn. <laughs> yeah. This is way too positive for him. Yeah. I, so, so like, whereas Glenn is nuclear winter, you're nuclear autumn. Yes, <laughs> that's a very fair okay. way to say it. Right. I think that's a really good way to say it. Uh, all right, before we go, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up uh, Louis Farrakhan who is a big defender of uh, Representative Ilhan Omar. She came out, you know, as we know, and made some controversial tweets, some controversial statements about uh, that, that people perceived crazily, crazily, right, perceived to be anti-Semitic. And, uh, you know, she issued a kind of a fake apology. And um, let's listen to Louis Farrakhan and uh, just his defense of Representative Omar. Now you got my sisters in there, 102 women in Congress. Boy, am I happy. And one of them said that she was using some funny language, brother.
But Miss Omar from Somalia, she started talking about the Benjamins. And they trying to make her apologize. I sweetheart, don't do that. Oh, pardon me for calling you sweetheart, but uh, you do have a sweetheart. Mm. I'm sure using it to shake the government up. Creepy. Mm -hmm. But you have nothing to apologize for. Now, this is someone you really want in your camp. Mm. If you are saying that you are not uh, an anti-Semite, you know, this is, yeah. this is someone with a very long history of uh, not hating Jewish people. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a moment with Omar, uh, and she's in a, uh, you know, her back office and in, in a tough time, and one of her aides comes in and says, hey, you got two big-name supporters that are backing you. <laughs> really? Who? Louis Farrakhan and David Duke. Hey! <laughs> there we go. And the Right, and yes. the Sarsour. Yeah. Oh, wow, three. Yeah. And then you get sad after. It's a very diverse group of backers. <laughs> it, is. It, is. It, it is. It is. It is. They do have one thing in common, though. Uh, and so, but I just wanted to, I wanted to lay that out for you. Mm -hmm. And then let's listen to uh, the other clip of Louis Farrakhan showing his unbiased uh, opinion of all people. Now, the wicked Jews want to use me to break up the woman's movement. It ain't about Farrakhan. It's about women all over the world have the power to change the world. How is this man allowed to just still exist and speak places? <laughs> like, well, I, I, he's well, I, very I, clear. Yes, you want the man who says wicked Jews to come out and say, you don't have anything to apologize for, please. Actually, I think we're making progress, though. I mean, it was just a few months ago they were termites, <clears> and <throat> last year they were vermin. They're Jews no, again. They're at least that's Jews. Great, they're wicked, uh, but they're at least wicked. they're Jews. So I think that's, that's progress. Wow, you are way too positive to be in liking this. Sure. We're, we're yeah, getting a little bit more of a so Pollyanna lighting. here on the panel. Good. <laughs> uh, so, kind of like, I I don't know that much about Louis Farrakhan. I've 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 heard that he's any any Semitic. Can I get like the greatest hits of like what what his, <laughs> well, I mean, what his he thing literally is? Literally just said the wicked Jews. Yeah, I don't like so... that bit. Yeah, I'm. You know what? Don't care for that bit. <laughs> but like, like he's he's like he's like a, a, a Islamic or black or both political leader or kind of what's his shtick. Yeah, Stu would be the best one to summarize. Yeah, you know, Nation of Islam. Uh, you know, he, the Million Man March is kind of when he, came, I think, he entered uh, Americans' really consciousness, which you know didn't have a million people, but did have a few hundred thousand, um, and that's back in the '90s. Um, and he's basically taken the last 20 years to. Uh, he's not a fan of the Jews. Okay. Uh, says it often. Uh, likes to really point it out uh, frequently. He's, he does not hide um, it. Does no. He's, he's very, not. Very he's very not clear. using a common humanity approach, a la no. Martin Luther King Jr. No, it's a, it's okay. a different approach. Um, he seems to have. At some point, in, I, I would say largely admitted to being involved in the death of Malcolm X, uh, which is a whole other sort of situation. If you listen to that clip, it's a, we used to play it on Pat and Stu all the time because it, he pretty much kind of says he was involved in it. And how he's just like walking on the street, I don't know. I mean, it's possible he was BSing, right, and like just trying to get attention for it. But he kind of admitted it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he is very, I mean, very anti-white. Uh, in general, and very anti-Semitic, uh, and you know, uh, you know, it's he's not just some crank on Twitter. This is a guy who has I saw the stadium. Oh, there are a lot of yeah. folks. A there. large following, um, and you know, it's not quite as large as it used to be. Um, he used to have. I mean, this is also a person who has met with several of the people that we talk about uh, frequently on the show. I think in 
uh, Talib, the new um, uh, also Barack Obama. Um, now he was in, that's that's just that doesn't say that Barack Obama believes the things that Farrakhan believes, but it shows that many politicians, mainstream Democrats, paid pen, it kind of went and said, "Hey, please, you know, embrace me, shake my hand, appear with me at places." To the point of after Obama left office, there was a picture that was released of Farrakhan and uh, Obama together during his run. Um, and the, the photographer who took it admitted that he did not release it throughout the entire presidency because he was afraid it would hurt Barack Obama. And he was intimidated by uh, mainstream Democrats to say, don't, that can't get out. People can't see that. Now, if you think about back in that time, this is a time where he's talking about you know, the Jeremiah Wright scandal is kind of going on and, and, and people are questioning where Obama's beliefs are. Would have been potentially damaging at that time. Um, I mean, Farrakhan is a He's not a he's not a controversial figure for almost everybody. He's just a bad guy. Right? Like yeah, I was, was about to say, there's not the, the whole wicked Jews line. There's not a yeah. lot of ambiguity there. Yeah. I, I tend to be fairly charitable in my interpretation. Right. Of I, things, I'm with but, you on that. Yeah, I, well, I can't. I can't there's know. not. And as Justin pointed out, I mean that's that's not the first time. It doesn't even make. Yeah. It doesn't even make. That doesn't. Ver, I mean, vermin. Like, there's no way to make vermin like like oh Vermont. Like make it French. <laughs> like there's no nice way to clean that up. Yeah, like, no, and know. he is. He's not. He does not hide it. He does a very yeah. very good job of showing us exactly who he is. And he makes comments like this on Twitter. And, yeah, and he, conservatives get you know uh, booted from Twitter for saying far less right. things he under. Did lose his blue check mark though because of some of this. And that was there. Yeah, yeah okay. was it there. took a really long time. It did take a long time, um, but I mean, he's to the point where the only the only defense on Farrakhan from most Democrats is he's not really a big figure. I mean, you're blowing him. Out. You're you're elevating him because he's so nuts. And it's like it's like saying David Duke is a Republican. Like, right? like statistically, David Duke's not a huge figure, but he's a significant one. He's a right? significant figure, and you want to know where he stands. Yeah. I mean, again, right now he's a big Tulsi Gabbard uh, uh, supporter. So if you're looking for a candidate, the Democrats, and you happen to be a David Duke guy, you might want to go for Tulsi. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, because we have all these David Duke supporters as viewers that are Democrats. All, yeah, yeah, that's a huge, that's a huge. It's a contingency <laughs> that is untapped. It is. All right. Uh, yesterday's poll question. Do you think the mainstream media believed uh, Jesse Smollett's original story or did they want to push a narrative? And uh, apparently they didn't put both in here because I know we, we all said mm. that we thought it was both. 77 percent of you said they pushed a narrative. Twenty two percent said that they actually believed it. And one uh, percent said other. I, I think they is. definitely believed it because they, they, they wouldn't. They wouldn't want to go through what they're going through, right? Like, you, I think they believed it, and they thought it was the great. It fit their narrative as well. You wouldn't want to go through this, and then you have to get proved wrong, and now they have to backtrack and look bad. Yeah, they just assumed it was true and and went with it. I think. Um, yeah, I, I think that you know. You also think about, okay, this is a high-profile actor who, yeah. I mean, conveniently, no one had ever heard of. But <laughs> exactly. I mean, this is he's in a he's in a primetime television show. Right. Why in the world would he make something like that it's up? Why you believe in reverse mortgages? Because Tom Selleck says they're good, and so you believe that uh, that Jesse Smollett got got uh, attacked because he's a guy with something to lose, right? Right. Right. Um, you know, I mean, Tom Selleck is uh, is obviously a lot cooler than Jesse uh, Smollett. I just, but I, I just want to, yeah, Good great mustache. mustache. I'm just gonna sit here and let you keep going. Oh, so I'll, I'll go on for a while. You want to go Magnum? We'll go. We'll go hour. You want an hour, hour overtime on Magnum PI? Let's do it. Uh, today's poll so question. So in episode seven. <laughs> yeah, no. Today's poll question: Which Democrat has the best chance at getting the presidential nomination so far? Oh, it's so early. I just showed it's you so the list. Early. You should you just answer. It's right there. You got it. It's Kamala Harris by by half a point. Yes. So let us know at the Blazes Twitter. Uh, that is at the Blaze. It's so early, though. I think we Link, just don't Lincoln know. Chafee fever is yeah, going to the metric system. Seize the Democratic Party. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let us know what you think. 
Justin, thank you so much for being on the program. Happy to be here. You uh, you were much more refreshing and positive than <laughs> the guy who normally sits here, so we yeah. appreciate it. And he it. calls for basic economic destruction, so that shows Glenn how far Glenn goes on this. <laughs> yes. All right, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow. I think the metric system thing's going to work for JP one of these years. <laughs> he's, you know, he's a big platform. No one's tapping into it. He's the only guy saying Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.